Welcome to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. On today's episode, we look back at the Manchester Derby and we look at the tactics and how Eric Den Hag has brought this team along and how they beat Manchester City on Saturday. Welcome back to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. I'm your host, Jake Marchesani, and Manchester is red. That's right. Manchester United had a an incredible comeback victory um, at Old Trafford on Saturday against Manchester City. Eric Ten Hag engineered a masterpiece, and uh, it was an exciting, exciting football match. And what I want to do today is just break down some of the nuances and the tactics of the match. Uh, and uh, of course, we'll talk a little bit about the goals, but we're not going to go into detail about the um, the Bruno goal that was um, initially offside and ruled out. Uh, plenty of people are talking about that. I want to look at the game, the rest of the game, and why I really felt like Manchester United were the best team on the day and that they deserved a victory, uh, and, 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 and we'll go through that. Um, but first of all, you know, this was a big game. This was lead, leading up to this, you know, Manchester United in great form. You know, they, uh, they, they've been climbing up the table all season, and now they're firmly in the top four and uh, looking like, you know, one of the teams that is going to book a Champions League spot next season by finishing in the top four. Um, but of course, they also had a little bit of revenge on their mind against City because of the last time they played six three. It just looked, you know, that United are not the finished product yet, um, but they are way more cohesive. They are much more, um, you know, what Ten Hag wants them to play like now versus then, and it's obvious a lot of the differences. And so they, I think, they were ready for this game. Old Trafford has become a very, very hard place to play. They're not; um, they're conceding very few goals. They are getting lots of wins. <laughs> um, you know that's you know uh, basically United are are undefeated since the World Cup, and um, and looking very, very solid right now. So United against City, City not looking as dominant as they did in the first quarter of the season. You know, um, they lost to Southampton earlier this week in the Carabao Cup. Um, Pep said he doesn't care about the Carabao Cup or the champ or the uh, uh, Premier League. They've won it so much, um, so you can definitely tell that his biggest priority this season is the Champions League. Um, however, he does like to play mind games as well, and you know that they still want to compete to win the Premier League. There's a lot of games left. That being said, early kickoff, right? 5.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Doesn't stop me from getting up for this one. And uh, let's take a look and start off by looking at the formations. How did each team line up? You had Manchester United lining up in the 4-2-3-1. And there was a couple surprises, actually. Um, they've, they stayed with the back line that they've had just in the last few weeks, 
where we have Malasia out left, Aaron Juan Bissaka playing out right, Shaw as the left-sided center back, and Varane, Champions League Varane playing in the right center back. So this is not really the um, back four that kind of kicked off the Ten Hag revolution. You know, he, he had settled on Luke Shaw, um, um, uh, Licha, uh, who is uh, uh, um, uh, for, uh, Hernandez, um, and then Varane and Dalo. That was the uh, uh, back four for a while, and they were playing great. But, you know, players have come back from the World Cup at different times. Um, he had to make some adjustments. And and, and now Aaron Wambasaka has worked his way back into the starting lineup and look and looking great. I thought he had a phenomenal game. Luke Shaw is looking like a totally natural center back. And Malassi is playing really well um, as well. So this gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, there's Harry Maguire, on the bench, you know, he goes with Luke Shaw instead of Harry Maguire. Um, but I do think that Eric Ten Hag likes to have a left-footed, left-sided center back. Uh, um, and uh, and Luke Shaw has been playing really well. Then a little bit of a tweak, and I kind of thought this because just because I didn't think Anthony has been playing great lately, and they went with um, uh, basically four midfielders. They had Fred and Casemiro as the center center mid pairing. Then you had Erickson in front of them. Bruno playing in the right winger position. Rashford out left and Martial up front. And I actually really like this. This was definitely a, a tad bit more defensive um, because you have Fred and Casemiro in um, with Erickson as the number 10. But what I liked about it was Bruno was kind of able to tuck inside or Really, he kind of helped where he needed to be, and he did a really good job of of um, pressuring the ball, not letting um, City play uh, uh, some longer balls as well. So the front line did a really good job in defense, um, and this worked out really well. This lineup was a great lineup, um, I thought, for this game. Then you have City in a 4-3-3, Walker, Ake, and Akanji, and Cancelo as the back four, Rodri, De Bruyne, and Bernardo Silva as the three center mids, and Mares, Holland, and Foden. So, you know, really what United were set up to do was defend and counter. And uh, and that is totally fine. I have no problem with that. Um, you know, what I think they looked to do was when they could, they'd keep the ball, uh, you know, a little bit extra. You saw that a little bit more in the second half when the game started opening up. But then... I really looked at a lot of similarities between uh, Morocco. When we looked at Morocco at the World Cup, they defended. They did not sit way back and park the bus. They actually defended and engaged each team. You think about Spain. This has very, this this you know has some similarities to when they played Spain. Spain, um, I think, put together uh, almost a thousand passes. Manchester City put together over seven hundred. They had 70% possession, very similar to the Spain-Morocco game. But Morocco defended well, and they had more of a mid-block, which is where they have their back line set up a little bit higher. You think of when you hear the term low block in soccer, that means that the back line is essentially setting up on the 18, and the front line is setting up 
inside their own half. That's a low block. That's when the whole team is really dropping. Mid block is going to be, you know, the, the back line is, is pushed up a little bit. And the front line is engaging the other team on the other side of their of the half, and that way you're not just totally dropping back, but you're actually you know engaging the team. You're setting up you know your defense, and you are working at defending. And uh, they didn't park the bus, but United defended really well, and they broke quickly with numbers, and that was also uh, a reminiscent of Morocco. They put together some nice quick passes, and then they were on their way. And United put together several sequences like that where they, you know, they, they one touch, one touch, and then, you know, up to Martial, he lays it back. They play in um, to Rashford or they swing it out wide. So there was a, a lot of nice play, nice interplay with Manchester United when they won the ball. And what they did was they lined up a few man-to-man matchups. When you play City, what they like to do is they press, you know, so many players high that it does often create an overload. If they they look to switch the ball out wide to their wingers, they like for the wingers to be, you know, on the touchline basically, and the two center mids, De Bruyne and Silva, pushing up in between the lines where the center forwards are uh, and the wingers, and. Usually, when they switch the ball, there's they're able to create a two-on-one, and they're looking to get their wingers or their center mids to the touchline in order to lay the ball back. That's one of the ways that Pep likes to play, and uh, you just didn't really see much of that. They were fr- the, the Manchester United was taking a little bit of a risk, but they that it showed a lot of faith and confidence in their defenders, where the way they set up. They designed it to have a lot of one-on-one matchups, not give up two two v ones. So Kevin De Bruyne was shadowed by Fred all game long, and Fred did a great job on him. Malasia one-on-one against Mares. Mares did very little that game, and uh, he was met with uh, Malasia, who was playing really well, defending really well. And then on the other side, Aaron Wan Bissaka was defending Phil Foden amazing Foden did nothing in that game um, so these the, the the defenders did their job they stepped up they defended one-on-one really well and then between the way that Varane Shaw and uh, and Casemiro were set up Erling Holland didn't did very little I barely saw him now you know it's okay to you know you may not see him during a game very often he may only have a few touches but then he scores some goals right uh, this was not the case uh, in this game. They really took him out of the game, which was really cool to see. So you had a lot of those types of nuances. And then, you know, you had two players up higher when you won the ball in Bruno and Erickson to be able to facilitate um, the, the counterattack. And they did it great. They, they, they got Mar- uh, um, Marcus Rashford free a few times, uh, Martial. What I liked about how they played in the first half was they didn't allow any shots on goal. They blocked shots. They won the ball. They forced turnovers. And then they turned and they ran at City. And that was a successful strategy. United had by far the better chances in the first half. Probably should have scored one of those. Um, and, and there was a lot of cohesion in the attack 
when they built up from the back quickly after they won the ball. So that was a really solid strategy. And uh, the first half was a stalemate, but City looked frustrated. United was frustrating them. And uh, they would have been, I I think United were more pleased with how the first half went than than City would have been. Uh, But then this game has two halves, right? You have to play 90 minutes, not just 45. So let's talk about the second half. The second half of this game is really kind of where the chess match started to pick up, right? So... Um, Rashford looked like he got injured um, towards the end of the the second half, towards the end of the first half. And uh, a lot of people, I think, were nervous. I thought he was going to come out. I thought, oh, man, our our man is done for the day. Uh, We got to find a way to beat these guys without him. But sure enough, he made it to halftime. I'm sure they assessed it, and he was able to start the second half and, and ultimately played the whole game. Uh, or, or you know, most of the game came out, I think, late at the end, maybe the 85th minute or something like that. Um, but what the, the key moment was they subbed Martial at halftime, okay? Now, he didn't have an amazing first half, but he was very key to the way that United built out from the back. He, he offered himself as a target man. Uh, he offered himself as an outlet when they won the ball. Uh, he brought it down a few times. He he was able to help keep the attack going. So they were, you know, Fred or Casemiro or Erickson, they'd win the ball, one, two touch, and, the, and Martial would be available uh, to relieve some pressure and get them up the field. He did that really well. So they took him off. They didn't really have that anymore. They put Anthony in, who actually had a, a pretty good game as well, better than um, recently. But then they looked more like a 4-4-2 to start the second half. Um, you know, you have four midfielders, and it, and they were dropping a little deeper, you know, in the second half, and Bruno especially. So it didn't look as much the cohesive 4-2-3-1 as much as it kind of looked like a 4-4-2 with Anthony and Rashford up top kind of by themselves. And it, it threw off United's balance. uh, City were able to start finding pockets a little bit easier and and started to uh, possess the ball a little bit higher. One of the interesting things was, yeah, City had 737 passes or whatever it was, um, but not a lot in the final third. Normally, you see City dominating the ball in the opponent's final third. That wasn't really the case. They knocked the ball a lot through their defense. Um, they had to knock the ball back a lot. United was closing the gaps. So there wasn't it wasn't dangerous possession, similar to how Spain gets sometimes in the World Cup. So they start pressing harder. They start pushing further. They make a substitution. Grealish comes on. And they finally get a ball to the end line for Kevin De Bruyne to knock back. They hadn't had that all game. First time they get it, he cuts it back. Grealish comes in and scores. And I will admit, I was a little bit, you know, my countenance dropped. I was, uh, that was a tough blow because it was in the 63rd minute or something like that. So it's, you know, it's, it's into the game. However, you know, there was still enough time left. I felt like United 
were looking good still, but they had, I think, conceded a little bit too much ground to City. So then another key moment after that goal was um, Anthony, oh, sorry, uh, Garnacho comes on. And they switch back to more of a 4-2-3-1, even more like a 4-3-3, uh, kind of. And it provided a lot more balance on pressing City. And, you know, you got a young kid in Garnacho, 18 years old, full of energy. He, he'll, you know, he's pressing. He's uh, ready to be direct. He wants to run forward. He wants to beat guys one-on-one. And so they started to find him. The game actually kind of opened up. It looked like City... Um, just kind of got a little tired and their, you know, kind of their midfielders and their forwards just were not tracking back as much. They were, they seemed like they weren't in the mood to do that. I really felt like that substitution, not because of Garnacho alone, although he did provide the spark, I think, but the, the formation changed back to what United was used to. And, uh, and that led to, you know, some open counterattacks. You know, in the first half, City were getting guys back quicker, not as much in the second half. Garnacho had an opportunity against Walker uh, and, uh, and Akanji, and uh, they snuffed it out. But then, <coughs> excuse me, but then the first goal happened. And again, uh, everybody's talking about how it was offsides. Casemiro plays th- he plays the ball to Rashford, and Rashford is offside, and he runs onto it, but he never touches it, and Bruno comes in from the backside and calls him off and hits a great finish and, uh, and runs over immediately to argue his case to the referee. And um, I, I really can see both sides on this. Uh, after watching the game and hearing some people talk about it, I definitely, you know, I think it was an offside offense and should have been called back. Uh, however, after I watched the replays again and watched the highlights, I, I'm i not like, I'm on the fence. I'm on either, I, I, I'm not convinced that that should have been called offside. Um, it's, it's hard to know how much he actually interfered with the player. Um, you know, when, when there's a, a player screening the goalie, in an offside position, that's really obvious to tell that. Okay, yeah, you can. You always see the goalie's trying to look around him, and uh, and it really interferes. Um, you can see if, if a player if the player in the offside position plays the ball, then yes, obviously he can't do that. Um, but I looking back, it was hard to see how much he actually interfered with a kanji and. Walker coming in on the back, and even Ederson, the goalie. I mean, it, it, it it's a lot of gray areas. It leads to a lot of speculation on like, oh well, if he didn't if he didn't run onto it, then Ederson would not have come out. Well, you don't know that. You know, there's a lot of things that you can't just say. And so, looking at it, it just goes crazy because he was almost running with the ball, but he never touched it. And then he, and then you know he had a lot of momentum, but he he started backing out pretty early, um, and Bruno came in and scored. So there's uh, if you want to debate that, there's tons of debates online about that goal. Um, I thought actually ESPN.com did a decent job breaking it down and why the goal stood. But nevertheless, United looked like they were going to get a goal. 
Um, you know, even if you look before that, like probably two minutes before that, Garnacho gets a run down the, the left, and Rodri clearly fouls Rashford coming in. Rashford is coming in, and, uh, and you know, he beat, he beat Rodri, and um, Rodri is like pulling him down. He basically, you know, pulls his jersey and almost pulls him down, but Rodri falls down in the process, but it totally impeded Rashford's run, run and that should have been a foul. So that every type of call like that can change the trajectory of the game, right? So that should have been a foul earlier. What could have happened with that? If this goal gets disallowed, does United score two still? You don't know, right? Do they score the, their second goal that they scored? You don't know because it changes the trajectory of of the where the game is going. It's like a timeline in the MCU. If you change one thing, then you get a new timeline. So you don't know how the game is going to go. Um, I thought United looked good for a goal at least. And sure enough, they had a great goal in the sec- a second goal. Uh, Garnacho just not giving up on the play and uh, and getting that quick cross in. And Rashford in the right position, ready to score. He pounces on it. Listen, I thought Manchester United were the better team on the day. I thought they executed their game plan. They held City to one shot on goal and they scored it. Holland... The prolific goal scorer was non-existent in that game, and they shut down their best players. They counterattacked with speed and precision. They were working hard for one another. You know, you have to be on your game and focused to play City, and uh, and they did that. And they showed not not just getting a goal that maybe should have been called offsides, but they scored another really good goal, and they looked more dangerous. So I thought on the day, Manchester United were the better team. Overall, they were well coached. They executed their game plan. I think if we can get one extra signing, we got Wout Weghurst, okay? Let's go. Excited to see what he can bring. Uh, I do think it's a smart signing. It was not that it was relatively cheap. You get an, a, a smart forward who's experienced, who could probably score some goals, uh, for the you know till the end of the season, they need that. They need depth at that position because they're in four competitions. So I really like that. I think if we can get one more signing in this in this window, um, and then you know probably going to have to utilize some of the young players for the rest of the season, which is not a bad thing either. Uh, we could really, I think United are going to make some moves, and now I do think they are in the title race. Play Crystal Palace on Wednesday, Arsenal on Sunday. Uh, that's going to be a huge test. If we can pick up six points there, uh, we are now closing the gap on Arsenal. Of course, we'll have a game in hand by if we beat them on Sunday. Um, but Arsenal, uh, you know, they got they got some tough tough opponents ahead. Um, you know, however however you want to slice it, Arsenal has to play City twice, or City has to play Arsenal twice. Uh, Arsenal looking really good. They won their game very handily against Tottenham 2-0. So this is, the top four is looking really good. Newcastle ain't going away either. Um, This is a great top four race. Um, And and you never know if if, uh, Liverpool can get their act together, if Chelsea could, because you got some great teams, some great, you know, unexpected teams um, crashing the top seven here. Uh, Brighton, Fulham. Um, even Brentford is up there in the top half of the table. Uh, so this is uh, this is an exciting season, 
and uh, we got plenty of games. We're basically at the halfway mark in games played. So there's a lot of games left. Uh, I'm going to do probably some individual team breakdowns in the next few weeks. Um, One of my favorite teams right now is Brighton, so stay tuned. Uh, We may do kind of a special on them and how they play and why they are, um, you know, dominating some of these big teams. Um, So we'll have some fun episodes coming up, but really wanted to take time to break down the Manchester Derby and why I thought Manchester United on the day were better and they deserved their win, however controversial it was. So thanks, guys, for listening. Appreciate it. Um, Stay tuned for more stuff coming your way. Uh, Definitely, you know, watch as much soccer as you can. um, And hopefully you can um, continue to listen to this podcast. We appreciate it a lot. And remember, know thy soccer. See you next time. Listening to the Socrates Podcast. Special thanks to Grid Lab for providing the music and the artwork for today's episode. Socrates Podcast is a production of Ball Watchers FC.